0: to so um so yeah that's our little lunch that's happening after church today um this morning I got the real joy and privilege of talking about our love for the local church and I hope like I I kind of think if I'm a stick of rock I hope that if you cut me in half you'd ultimately see right in the core and this essence that I love Jesus but like, Ollie Stevens loves Jesus. I hope that's a thing. I hope you remember me more than being a Crystal Palace fan um, or wearing, wearing bright trainers. That isn't, that's all right, that's part of, but I hope that my legacy or something that people remember of me one day is that I love Christ. And I want to I wanna transmit that to people I know, I want it to be to my family, I want it to be a, a defining thing of who I am and what my life is like. And I think, i am I with some of you in that as well? There's a few of us that are like that. Who else is like that? Any other sticker of rocks here? All right, good. There's a few of you. Yeah, some of you are still wondering. That's all right. Um, and also, I love the church. I do, I love it. You know, I grew up in a little church in, in, in um, Croydon in South London on, a, on an estate called New Addington. And I grew up there, and I, I love that church. And then I moved to Lowestoft for a year, and I got to be part of a church in a little seaside town there, and it was a bit bigger than the one I grew up in. And I love that church. And when I go back, I still go and worship with them because I love going back and seeing them. And I've got family there. I was only there a year, but I love that church. And then I moved to Eastbourne to come as a student 20 years ago. And I stumbled into this place. And I love this church. And I love it because actually it's this joy of saying, I love the church global, I love the people of God, and I love the church local. I love being part of a local expression of being followers of Jesus with other people that I get to know and they get to know me. I love it. I love Jesus and I love the church. I love what it means to be connected in to being part of the people of God. I know last weekend... Clive did a very honourable thing, didn't you? You and Gillian went to Frankfurt serving the church global. I went on a lads weekend to Rome. You know, and again, if you say lads weekend to Rome, that kind of classifies the sort of lads that I hang out with. We didn't, you know, we didn't go to some Greek island somewhere or you know some little Spanish island. No, we went to Rome because my mate ran the marathon. And so um, he ran, I watched. Um, he ran quite fast, actually. He did pretty well. He did under four hours. Some of you will know him. Jez leads the church over in Seaford that we started 10 years ago. And one of the reasons I love spending time with him, I love talking about his church. I love talking about what God's doing in that people. And again, the real joy of the church global is that actually, as much as McDonald's might think it doesn't mind when Burger King moves in next door, it kind of does. Because, you know, McDonald's is out for itself. We want to make sure that McDonald's is sold, not a Burger King. The church doesn't have to worry and get tribal in its little thing. I don't have to get worried that Seaford is growing to the glory of God. I don't need to get worried when I see God at work in the church around us because actually I get that joy being I to say, we are the church. I'm part of the people of God. I get to be included in, in all that you're doing. But I don't just think about the church global in this strange like big thing that I'm never connected to. I find a way to be connected to it local. That's the joy of what it is to be part of God's people. Again, I was kind of thinking this through the other day. It would kind of be, this is a phrase you might have heard. Some people will say things like, I really love Jesus. Church is all right. I've kind of given up on church a little bit. I'm not quite too sure about it. Now, if you've got any friends, probably that's not you because you sat in church this morning. So unless you're giving it one last try. Um, (laughs) But... And if you are, I hope it's all right. No, don't don't mind, you've got to work it out. Um, But I heard someone say to me the other day, I really love Jesus, I just don't really like the church very much. And I don't think my dad will be watching, but the danger of of the live stream like this, sorry, Clive, you'll laugh about this. My dad's fallen out of love with the local church a little bit. He runs an amazing community farm. He was here last week. He kind of likes coming here, but sometimes the local church has wound him up. And he doesn't like going to it very often. And I heard someone say, oh, I love Jesus, so I don't know if I love the church very much. You know, that would be a little bit me, like me saying, oh, I really like, so Wendy, just in case you get worried about who I'm talking about, Wendy's my wife. If I said, I really like Wendy's face, I just don't like her body very much. I like her face, but I, no, do you hear what I'm saying? Exactly. Do you, do you feel that reaction? Do you feel that reaction? Because that's like saying, I really like the heads, I just don't like the body. I really like Jesus, the head of the church. I'm just not interested in its local thing, the church itself. Ah, you see, that's why it was offensive. Because how can you love the head and not love the body? You can't. If I were to be like that to my wife, you you would say, you are in trouble. You need flowers when you're getting home. She's serving in kids' work next door, so don't tell her. But so many people will say that, though. I love Jesus, but I don't love the local church. Jesus is the head of the church. The church is his body. We're the body of Christ. We're the way that we work and interact and love one another. With all of its warts and all, with all of its flabby bits that are around the outside. It's all right, because Christ loves it, because we're his body. And so if we love the heads, if we love Jesus, we love his body, we love his people, and we love to be part of it. And ultimately, you are part of the body of Christ. And one day, we're going to see it in all of its glorious fullness. One day we're going to get to get a glimpse of what it's really like. With all of the mess and all the little layers and all the sin that we bring into the equation. So why is it a little bit flabby and fat and ugly at times? Because we bring our own sin into the scenario. Bring our own baggage and work into it. Sometimes we bring in our own little divisions and pockets of, yeah, but I'm not really like them. I don't really get on with that person. We're a bit different to each other. And that can exist in the body. But one day we're going to get to see the body as it truly is the beautiful, spotless Bride of Christ that he's coming back. You know, whenever we do a little wedding ceremony here, we see the groom waiting at the front, and we wait for the bride to walk down this aisle here. And you see the look in the groom because he's waiting for his bride to arrive. It says that Jesus is the great groom waiting for the church's bride to come and meet him at the great wedding feast. And we get to be included into that. You get to be seen as the Bride of Christ, pure and spotless and beautiful in his sight. And that's why we love it, because we're part of it and we're included in. I want to just give you a little essence. Um, Then what I'm going to do is, Boston Andrew, you're going to help me this morning. Because again, one of the joys of being in local church is you don't have to do everything on your own. And actually, as I was preparing this and wanting to talk about the local church, I realised I'm only going to be able to talk as a very nearly 40-year-old white boy that has grown up in South London. That's my expression of what I know about the local church. But the joy of being in community and family with each other is I've got a mate who grew up not in Croydon in South London, but grew up in Northern Ireland. So as a result, he has a context and set of eyes that he sees sometimes what the church is and what it means to be part of the people differently from how I see it. And then the real joy is then I've got another friend who's a Nigerian. And he grows up and he says, "Ah, hang on a minute, I see church because I've had an expression and encounter and I've grown up in a different context. And I see church with Nigerian eyes that you don't have. So the joy of when we speak with one another and when we share like this is the ability I'd say each brings, because each part of the body contributes, and it's not that the eye is more important than the ear or the mouth or the nose, it's because each of us are connected as part of the body. You're going to talk about this a bit later, aren't you, boss? So we're going to do that, do that and so that it's not just something that we're saying, but something that you see this morning, this is modelled as people that are able to share and say the joy of being part of the local church together. Um, I just want to read to you just some some verses from the Bible because it always helps. Um, It's always good to keep connected. So I've got a couple of slides that are in the Old Testament because all I want you to see is that being part of the people of God has always been there from the very beginning. So you might, some of you will love this, You'll be, we've got quite a few Bible verses, you might be flying around in them today. But I just want to read you some verses, and this is sort of chronologically going through the book itself. So the Bible's this collection of books, but we're going to chronologically just travel through. From the very beginning, the first book, Genesis, starting to see how actually all the way through to Revelation, God's desire has been to have a people not just to have individuals who encounter him, but to connect us into being part of a people together. So what does he say at the beginning? Sister to Abraham, and you might think it was just about choosing Abraham, so Abraham would, would become a follower of, of God, but no, it was about, I will confirm my covenant that was be between me and you and your future offspring throughout their generations. It was never just about Abraham, it was actually about you, because you're part of the future generations that were yet to come. You get included into those covenant promises because in and through the seed of Abraham, you get called to come. So actually, God makes the, makes the distinction at the very beginning. I'm making covenants, not with individuals, but with a group of people collectively. And we're all in on that. Then he takes it through. So then you move in the story, Exodus, another book as we're moving forward. You get this then encounter with Moses another patriarch, another big, big character that will appear in God's word. And what does he say to them? I will take you as my people. He's now not just about the individuals. He's saying, you're now my people, my family, and I'm going to call you out. I will be your gods. You will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from the forced labor of the Egyptians. He's drawn them towards himself. And he said, once you are their people, now you're my people. Once you belong to the Egyptians, now you belong to me. Because I'm drawing you towards myself. Then you start getting these like prophetic books that happen a bit later in the Bible, such as in Ezekiel. You will live in the lands that I gave your ancestors, looking back at the people that were once called, you will be my people and I will be your gods. That is a, scripture's full of that little phrase. You'll find it quite a few times and I love it. I love that idea that I get to be able to say, oh, I get to be part of your people and you're gonna be my gods. We're all going to connect. We're going to relate to one another because you're our God. You're the one that we worship. You're the one that we bow before. I love it. So let's keep going. There's a couple more in the Old Testament. Then going to Jeremiah. I will put my teaching within them. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their gods and they will be my people. And then into Hosea. And I will say to not my people, you are my people. And he shall say, you are my God. Again, can you see this? glorious relationship that we get to have with God himself so it begins all the way at the very beginning of the book it travels all the way through and then you think is Jesus going to change tack on this thing is Jesus going to say no it's not about our people anymore so we travel into the New Testament and then we get in John's gospel you're gonna have to click one more that's not in the Bible you are what you love that's just a nice slide that Sam made there we are um, if I pray for them I'm not praying for the world but for those you have given me because they are yours That's how Jesus feels about you. (laughs) The Father has said, these are mine. Jesus, would you pray for them? Would you die for them? Would you give yourself for them? Because he cares for you. And he longs to draw you into a people. And then 2 Corinthians, it's a letter that Paul writes. So we are the temple of the living gods. And as God said, I will make my dwelling among them. And I will walk among them. And I will be their gods and they shall be my people. Let's keep going because we've got a few of these. And then in 1 Peter it says, but you, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession. Wow, Terry Terry Virgo wrote a beautiful book just called His Treasured Possession. What it is to be part of the people of God, treasured by him, significant, loved. So that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness and into his marvellous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are, say it with me, you are God's people. Come on. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Your identity, and Andrew's going to touch on this in a minute, your identity has completely changed because of your relationship with the living God. Once you were not a people, now you're a people. Once you had no mercy, now you have received mercy. And I heard, oh man, and this is where the story ends. Sorry, spoiler alert. You know, we're getting there. How to ruin a book, eh? Tell you how the book finishes. I heard a loud voice from the throne and it was saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. Oh, I don't know. I hope your heart, like, if you're a Christian, I hope your heart, like, just a little bit in your heart just goes, oh, that feels warm. (laughs) The day in which the dwelling place of God is with man, he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their gods. And that is a glorious day that we look forward to, but one that we don't just have to look forward to, one that we get to reenact today. That's why we're in church we're reenacting could you just keep that revelation one up for me cheers sire we're reenacting some of that today we're reenacting what it is to arrive and say oh I feel like I'm in the dwelling place of God that's why it's funny isn't it because you sing a song like this is what heaven sounds like sometimes I might think oh I hope it sounds a bit better than that sometimes no no that sounds rude doesn't it I didn't mean it that way as I was saying it out loud like the cogs were turning I was thinking I didn't want it to sound rude but I'm just like i oh, you know Bit more bass, I'll have a bit more bass now. I'd like a bit more drums in that bit. No, no, the glory of what heaven sounds like is it's a people giving praise and worship to gods. It doesn't need, it doesn't need to be supplemented by other things because it's an outpouring of our own heart. If you've ever been around people that are just pronouncing their love and adoration and worship for something. So when I'm in Rome last weekend, I'm at Lazio Roma at the Derby. I tell you what, that sounded a bit like heaven in some ways. <laughs> You know, the Lazio fans just singing and shouting and rejoicing. And when they scored a goal, and I'm not a Lazio fan, but they grab me and they pull me into this embrace and they bounce on the chairs. And I'm around all these Italians that are screaming at each other. And, and I'm, I'm there and I'm like, whoa, maybe this feels a little bit like heaven and we're going to be rejoicing, not because someone's kicked a ball in a net, but because the Son of God is with us. And we see him seated on the throne with all authority and all power. I hope I'm around Italians when I'm the the way that they're going to worship. I want that embrace. I want that feeling of being connected because I get to be part of the people of God. I get to see what it's like. And that's what we're doing here. That's why this, is, this isn't hype. It's not what we're trying to get us to clap or have a drum going. It's because we want people to encounter what it's like to know God and to be known by him, to be included into the people. And we all got a role to do in that. So just one or two individuals' role, all of us collectively are engaged in this idea of coming and bringing praise and worship and adoration to God. From every tribe and tongue and nation and people group and generation after generation and gender and slave and free, all of us get collectively to come and bring our praise and worship and adoration to the one. The one who's done it all on our behalf and who welcomes us into his family. It's the joy of being part of the people of God's. Okay, I've discharged some of my brain. <laughs> That's all right. Andrew and boss, I, what I'd love us to do, can we, can we steal some of the chairs at the back? Because I'd love us to sit together for it. So, Andrew, will not you come up? What I want to say is, so, Andrew, how long have you been part of the church here? Have I known you since I first arrived 20 years ago? It's probably, yeah, 20-odd years ago. Andrew and Alice, it's just been a joy to know them and sort of live life alongside them. And so, Andrew will often just bring brilliant prophetic contributions on something come, come on come on come on because they can just see your backs and your bottoms so they want to see your faces yeah <laughs> um yeah so so Andrew just bring pr- brilliant prophetic contributions and I just felt there was this time he brought one a little while ago and when I was preparing this I thought the way Andrew shared that is better than what I'm going to share in these things and so I wanted him as my friend just to come and share and encourage us and build us up in that in that contribution this morning and then boss how long have I known you for 10 years no, not that long. Eight years. Eight years. Yeah. Boss and Tolu are deacons in the life of the church. We love it. They actually carry a lot of responsibility into that joining the church family stuff that's going on. So I know Andy jumps up and his elders were working him in, but Boss and Tolu are massively integral into helping people connect into the life of the church here. And it was, oh, Don't worry, I'll sit on that one in a minute. Um, so again, just to be able to do this as brothers together and sharing and loving the church and to say the joy is. I get to spend eternity with these guys as well. You know, and that's the absolute joy of all of these things. It's not just saying we get a little short patch on this earth together. We might be part of church family for another 20 years. They might be called to the other side of the world in the things that they do, in the things that God calls them to, but we get to spend eternity in that place, knowing that we're part of the people of God, whether we're part of the same local expression or the global expression in the things that we do. Praise God, eh? So, Andrew, I'm gonna hand over to you. I'm gonna move those notes for you and we'll sit here and then we can jump up whenever you need us. Why don't you put your hands together? Because he's a bit daunting speaking.
1: Put your hands together for
2: Andrew.
1: Right, I would love to say I've got this all really well prepared. I don't have a clue what I'm going to do. So pray like crazy if you fancy it. It'd be very helpful. Um, So there's a saying back where I come from, um, if you are all things to all men, you're nothing to nobody. Now that's an interesting phrase. And if you know your Bible, it's not actually scriptural. It's, an, it's, it's kind of a twist. And our culture does that a lot. Culture twists things that are true into something that isn't true. Because what the Bible actually says is, Paul said, I became all things to all men that by all means I might win some. I became all things to all men that by all means I might win some. Our culture says, if you're all things to all men, you're worth nothing. But actually, our cultures need to be subservient to him, because he's worth it. And we're going to read um, Philippians 3, a bit of it. And to be honest, what I've got to say is nowhere near as good as what he says. So, let's read it up. Okay, so Philippians 3, awesome. Um, apologies for the accent, it's kind of, this This is me speaking, this This is me speaking posh. <laughs> you no. Know, this is... I'm, I 'm a school teacher, you can imagine what the kids are like they 've got no idea what 's going on. Um, if you honestly, whenever I started teaching, there were some kids, and I got a little they were doing something they shouldn 't have done, and I can remember I'd just come across, and one of the kids looked at the other one. and he went, "Do you understand anything he 's saying?" And the other one looked at him and without a hint of sarcasm, just went, "No, but i don 't think he 's happy. We should stop <laughs> um, and so So, occasionally it works. Um, So, uh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised in the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection of the dead. Not that I have already obtained this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. And the thing I this is for somebody this morning, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, and somebody needs to hear that this morning, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom um, I have often told you And now I tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame, with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body, by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. It's a bit of a lengthy passage, but there's two bits in it. The things that were gained to me, I count as as loss, and actually it's quite a strong word. I'm not going to say what the word is because it's a really really strong word. The things that are gained to us can be all kinds of things. So I want to take you back to the heady days. Now Trevor Michael, I don't know where he is. Yeah, he said, "Are you going to wear your Ireland rugby top?" It was. I'm from. I'm, I nearly did. Um, I'm from Northern Ireland. I didn't think it was really fitting with the theme, to be honest. In that way, um, but. But the thing was um, back in 2016, my tiny little country, the size of Birmingham, um, we managed to get to the Euros. Now, whenever you hear phrases like party like the Irish, this probably isn't what comes into your mind. One of my cousins got in contact and he said, Andrew, it's mad. The top of the town, the local cafe is giving out free sandwiches. <laughs> you know, it was it was insane. We were like, Oh my god, this is an incredible we're a tournament. And actually, the whole tournament, our guys were just like having an absolute, they were, we we got through. I mean, we topped our group. It was insane. And part of this elation um, of being from a minnow of a country and getting into a big tournament is that you suddenly go, good grief, we're there. You know, we're at the party. Um, So I bought myself a flag. You know, because in England, there's loads of flags. You guys, every time there's a football match, you put up your flags. I thought, yes, I'm going to put up a flag. And um, what I didn't quite do I on was that, this was probably God hijacking me a little bit and ambushing me, because as time went on, he started to to nag me a little bit, and he said, um, "That flag's got to go." And I'm like, "No, no, no, that's ridiculous, God. What are you talking about? That flag's got to go." He says, "I want you to bury the flag." No, please don't do that. <laughs> we never we never really do anything very special. And over the years, what happened was I kind of had a wee chip on my shoulder because Northern Irish people tend to be a bit you know, we've we've had an interesting time. That's a polite way of saying it. It was, 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 we had a period called the Troubles, otherwise known as, we were in the age of Civil War at times. Um, And it it was a wee bit, we've got a different kind of history and identity to a lot of parts of the UK. And it has shaped a lot of the way we think. And what God was saying was, I want to shape the way you think, not your past. I want to remind you of who you are in me I want you to lay it at my feet. It's something that's precious to you. It's something that's valuable to you. It's something you identify and gives you security. It's something that you feel safe with. And because it's something precious, I want you to cast it at my feet like a crown. You don't cast something worthless before the king. You cast something of value. And it was kind of like, okay, Lord, this is nuts. I hope it's you. It might be cheese. I don't know. And I can take you to where it is, because it wasn't a bad biodegradable flag. Um, and it's in the bottom of our garden, and it's buried there, right beside the guinea pigs. Um, <laughs> and, it's, and, and I laid it down. And what I didn't quite twig was what it was going to do. And, and what happened was, at that time, I didn't know we were going to have a child. And my child, um, if you want to know just how big a deal this is, watch Doro O'Brien on it. It's hilarious. I will love my English child. It's a big deal. I, I, I've got, I, my son's English. He's not Irish. He's not pretending to be English. He's, he's English. And all of that, God was actually breaking. He was breaking down bit after bit. And then the best bit is he starts to redeem it. And he starts to show you, well, this bit was good and that bit wasn't. And, it, and your culture becomes something different. Your culture becomes, I kind of want to say this reverently, but it's almost like a A tool. It becomes a way to open doors. It becomes a way to see things. This morning, we did it. We, we, we sang a thing, um, Build Your Kingdom Here. That was written by guys from Bangor. Not the Welsh one, the Northern Irish one. It's a bit posh, so we'll forgive them. Um, <laughs> Bangor's the posh bit of Northern Ireland. It's as good as it gets. Um, and basically, one of the things that they sing there is, you know, um, what was it Build Your Kingdom Here, Let the Darkness Fear. We were brought in a culture where fear was very much part of the deal where you saw a park gate, you walked away. I remember us um, at an airport and there was flights and my wife said, let's go to the cafe. It was, flights were delayed. Let's go to the cafe, see it was happening. And I was like, there's something going on here with terrorism. Let's go the opposite direction. We were taught to be afraid. We were taught to be scared. And God says, don't be afraid. I am with you. He says, when you're afraid, trust in me. Trust and do not be afraid. We were taught that we were poor. It was kind of, part of the dealer being from Northern Ireland. You're the people of the cottages. You, You live in these little cottages. It's all really homely. And God said, I'm getting a mansion ready for you. And he said, you've got all things in Christ. We were taught a load of stuff that wasn't right. And you've been taught a lot of things that aren't right. And the only way that you can find what's right and what's not right is to spend some time with Jesus. Is he worth it? Yeah, you better believe it. It's a no-brainer whenever you think about it. Paul said he counted everything but lost because he wanted Christ. Think about it. What more does he need to do to earn your allegiance? There's people in the room who've been sitting on the fence and becoming a Christian for years. And God's kind of going, what more do I need to do? Look at my hands. I've got scars on them for crying out loud. What more do I need to do? How much are the things that you're holding back from him worth is he not worthy of all? Are you just going to sing that? Or are you actually going to do it? Sorry, that's the Northern Irish side of me. We're a bit direct. And I, I love Paul. I love him because he's the most direct, blunt, fiery, you know, he's brilliant. He's, he's got that by him. And I love that, that he says, everything that was gained to me, I kind of the loss. He says, our citizenship is of heaven. Live like it be a colony, Be exert influence in our society, change it. Show, it, show what it's like to be people who love Jesus. Now, I would love to sit here and say, yeah, I'm doing that every day, but I deliberately wear my dirty shoes because this reminds me, <laughs> it's not always the case. Okay, give him, give him your dirty shoes this morning. If that's all you got, give them to him. If you're sitting going, I don't really have it sorted out, okay, give him your mess. But whatever you've got, cast your crowns at his feet. Just going to finish with this. There's an Irish thing that is very old. We were taught this in school. The Bible says that they, in Revelation, every nation, every tribe, every tongue, and it kind of resonates because in England you've got all these kings. You know, King Henry the, I don't know. They go, there's loads of them aren't there? Loads of Henrys. Um, Henry the fifth, sixth. We didn't. We did a bit of that, but the school I went to was a bit radical. They kind of did Irish history as well, and we don't really have kings like that. We had a thing called high kings, and there were only ever really four of them. And the reason why there was only ever four of them was to become the high king, you had to go around all of Ireland and get every single king to bow at your feet. You had to have every single king kneel before you and say, you are the king, you are worthy of it all. So we only ever got four, because it was actually quite a dangerous journey. It was a difficult thing to do. And a lot of people trying to do it would tend to die and stuff. And whenever we sing, you're the king of kings, in my head, that's what it means. You're the king of the bit of your life that you're in charge of. You're the king of your family. You're the king of, of, of where you are. You have authority. And Jesus says, cast it at my feet. Whenever it says, every tribe, every nation, every tongue, you can't be the high king of heaven unless it's every king, every nation, every tribe, every tongue. You don't get to be the high king unless everybody bows before you. And the beautiful thing is the gospel says one day they will.
0: There you are, my friends. That is what I just want, I want to pick one thing that Andrew said there, because I just want to illuminate it. I love that part, that it's not about giving up his Northern Irish identity, but he's been given a citizenship of heaven, which is beyond that. Just let that dwell in your own heart a little bit, the things that we bring. It's not about giving up and saying, we're not this anymore. It's not about saying, it's just trying to make some, you know, homogenous group where everyone looks and is the same, has the same accents and dressed in the same clothes and turns up from the same background, celebrating who God has created us to be. And then redeeming that was that wonderful words to then be part of this even greater citizenship of being a member of God's people. It's wonderful. Thank you. Um, boss, come on,
2: let's put our hands together. Let's welcome, Boss. Morning, church. Morning, everyone. Well, um, I tend to w- waffle a lot, my wife says, so... I've decided to just write down a few things so I don't take too much time and I'm out of here. So, my name is Olatibosu Onoloya and I'm a Nigerian. And for someone who is far away from his home country, I would say that you, I mean, if you're far away from your home country, you, you get to see the best and the worst of the people wherever you go and I mean if you you you'd have so many lovely experiences and then just that one bad one just like what am i doing here exactly god so w- w- one of those not so pleasant experiences for me would be racism yeah that's the elephant in the room everyone knows that isn't it so the sad thing about that is that if we We've got a room filled with people from different cultures. And if you would ask anyone, most people of color, they would have had this experience at some point. But I'm I'm, I'm not going to ask anyone to indicate if they've had that experience. No, that's not what we're here to do. But you see, the the thing about it, the, the sad thing, I think one of the sad things for me is that my children who were born in this country, also experience the same thing just because of their skin color. Now, that is a sad thing. And, I mean, thank God for, for, for the black community here. I mean, here in Eastbourne and here in the UK. And in some ways, for people like me, that, that helps you to just re- get back some sense of identity because you see people who are like you, even though people go, Oh yeah, you don't belong here, you don't you still get to see people who were like, yeah, we're in this together, let's do this together. And I'm just so grateful for a community like a community like that. And th- this community has meant for me that that I mean, we it it's helped me a lot, and it's helped my family a lot. However, as I grow more and more in my work with God, I've come to realize that my identity is first and foremost in Christ. (laughs) I've come to realize that Christ's death was for the whole world and not just for one race. And that his death binds every race, every race together. Regardless of where you are from, Christ's death always binds us together And that is the beauty of being a Christian for me. And I've also learned that my identity as a follower of Christ takes priority. Now, (laughs) what that does not mean, I stress again, what that does not mean is that I stop being a Nigerian and I can't change my skin color. But <laughs> right. But what that means is that I look in a room like this, and I see every person English, Nigerian, Ukrainian, wherever you're from, as my brother and sister. And just before I go on, I, I just want us to read the scripture, Ephesians 2:19. Let's see what Ephesians 2:19 says. It says "Now, therefore." You are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. No more strangers, no more foreigners. And can I say this, that if you're in the room and you're from a different culture, that that is you, the scripture is talking about up there. And guess what? If you are actually from the English culture as well, that is you, the scripture is talking about there. So that is, that binds us together. That is my point. And I'm, I'm, I'm also so, I'm so grateful to God for the level of diversity in this room. I, I look at, I look at a lot of churches, and I've been, I've been to a, a few churches here in the UK, and I can easily tell you this, that the level of diversity in this room is rare, very rare. And I am so grateful to, to God for that, for every culture represented in this room. For me, every culture represented in this room represents a different flavor, And as a church, we have the amazing opportunity of bringing together these different flavors and together we can model something greater than just a single race to the world. This means that we can show the world how different it can be when different, how beautiful, sorry, it can be when different races come together and identify as one. And what I mean by that is this: It's, I mean, out there in the world. Sorry, I've got, I've got my mouth is really dry now, so (laughs) so I keep licking my lips. But um, what that means that, for for as far as we are concerned, what I'm trying to say is this: that we, as Christians, coming together, being brothers, means that we can actually do something. That the world looking in because the world is always looking in the world is always looking in and they're looking in and saying let's see what these guys are up to let's see if this experiment will work excuse me (laughs) so let's see if this experiment will work And we, church, I'm not trying to cajole anyone. We have got to make it work. We have to make it work because we have that responsibility as Christians to show the world this is what Christ died for. This is why you need to be a Christian. This is why we are different. And that's what this is all about. And again, I'd like us to, to flip to First Corinthians chapter 12, and I'll just quickly read through this. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews, Greeks, slaves, all free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not the hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, Let me just quickly point out a, a few things from that scripture that, as, as it's been laid on my heart. So given the scripture talks about different and important, uh, of how different and important each part of the body is. And that each part, regardless of how small, of how or how insignificant it might seem that that part is how important it is, I'm told that, I'm not a doctor, so I'm told that even losing the, 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 the smallest toe would affect your balance. And who would think that, really, when you look at how big the body is? Each part, though different, fits into the body, and each part having a diff, has a different part to play to help the body function. Does that sound like diversity to you? It also talks about how each part serves the whole body. My little toe serves my whole body. It helps my body be able to stay stable. My eye, as small as they might be, my ear, my—I'm told but I've got really small ears. <laughs> so, but without my ear, and this is no insult to anyone in the room, without my ear, I could really not hear anything. And I know that sometimes that is hard. Sorry, it is hard. Let's face the reality. That's what it is. And. Regardless of what age, status, or wherever we belong to on the social structure, whatever color, whatever stage of life that we're in, whatever sex that we are, we do have a part to play. And that's why this is not just about the elders or the deacons or everyone that works in the church office. This is about you and I. This is about everybody right here in this room. We all have a part to play. And I believe that there are lots of opportunities here at King's to be able to serve, to bring that part, to, to play your own part. And I would just like to really invite you to say that if you don't belong to any, any group or, or any 17 in the church, can I just encourage you to please... Check where you think that you fit, and just explore that, and see how you can play your own part. Because it's by playing, it's by each of us playing our part. That's how the body can come to its full potential, and that's what we need. Because for us to really function as Christians, for us to really function, because God is yeah, God has called us to be Christians to be family but ultimately God has called us out there into the world because that's where the work is. A a, a lot of the work is out there. So church what I'm trying to say is this, that for us to be able to get there and actually do the work, we need to get our acts together and that is what I'm inviting you to and I think Ollie would permit me to (laughs) To do that, to invite you to be a part of that. And that, that's really all I was going to say. But as we were praying this morning, we were in there this morning and we were praying. And I just felt like God was telling me, God, God reminded me about the parable of a talent. About the rich man that gave, about each of giving talents to is a servant. And the Bible records that, so, so one was, the one that was, the one that was given the, the least, decided to bury his one. And when the, 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 the rich man came, took the talent from him and gave it to the one that had the most. And the question will always be, why did he have to give it to the one that had the most? Why not the one that had the second most? But you see, God reminded me in there and said something and I felt like God, God God actually told me to tell the church this morning that to whom much is given much is expected Amen
0: we're going to close with um, breaking bread with each other because um, it's the most wonderful reenactment of what we're talking about. You know, you've listened very, very well behaved for a long period of time. But there's something more than just listening. There's something of doing. It's part of why we sing. It's part of the things that we do. This is a sacrament. It's an act of grace. It's a way in which we, en- we enact what we're doing now. And so what I really want to invite is um, there's stations around the outside. There's, there's breaking bread. but Caleb, guys, could you come and join me so we can have some just music playing behind, thank you. There's four stations that are in the corner of the room. And actually I've been saying to some of the elders and deacons here, I've asked them, and you might see it sometimes, I often go and stand by the table. I'm not doing it to watch whether or not you paid your fees to get pick up the breads. I'm doing it because I want to enact that this isn't an individual task in which we do. There's a danger here because we put them in individual cups. There's a danger that it feels like just my little journey of me meeting with God. You no, know, we come to one cup, we come to one body, and we come in one moment collectively as the people of God to be administered to this act of grace. That Christ is the unifying factor in all that we do. You know, it's Christ that's at the centre of all of this because actually the danger is if we try and build church on commonality, on the things that we like and shared passions and shared interests. Different gender groups, different age groups, different nationalities. Actually, I will only ever connect you and incorporate you into people that look and sound and smell like you. But actually, the joy of the church is, is this beautiful multifaceted thing, this diamond with different face of every tribe and nation and tongue and color, and they all come collectively together, and they beautifully just demonstrate what it is to know christ to display him as boss said to the world that we live in so as we come to the table we come as one there's no there's no there isn't waitrose bread on one table and as the one on another and you know that one that we've just picked that isn't how this works there aren't better seats that someone's paid for and you just get to sit in the other one no we come as a people collectively to one cup to one baptism, to one Lord, to one Saviour, to one who gave himself for us freely, for all that would choose to put their faith and trust in Jesus. So if you're a follower of Jesus, if you have put your trust in him, the table is open to come to. If you haven't yet put your trust in Jesus, that's the way you enter, by putting your faith and trust in his death and resurrection on your behalf. So what I'd love to do is actually, if you're a life group leader here, Because some of the life group leaders, these are all people that lead little small groups in our church. Could you stand up? Could you come to the table first? Just, yeah, life group leaders, start coming to the table. Because what I want is I want these people to linger around. And if you're just trying to connect into church life, each of these people host or run things in their home each and every week. They open up their homes or they open up small groups, they open up God's words. And they would love to welcome you into their groups They would love to welcome you into their table. They would love you to come and connect with them and to see what it's like to have this expression, not just of desire, but into a community with one another. And so if you travel to the table in a minute and you feel like, actually, I I I know I need to connect into the family of God here locally of the church, just ask one of them, could we just break bread together? Don't make this an on-your-own task. Say to someone here, oh, do you just know, do, do, do think, can I just break bread with you? Andrew and Alison, can I just break bread with you for a second? I'd love to. You won't know their names, but just ask one of these people because I don't want anyone to feel on their own breaking bread today. I want us to be done as community, as the local church expressed with one another. So if you're a follower of Jesus now, let's all stand to our feet. The band are going to play through. When you head to the table, you can start making your way into the aisles. There's aisles there. Start making your way to the table. And once you've got some bread and some wine, and maybe if you've asked one of those life group leaders, why don't you just start to pray with one another? Thank God for this local expression of church. And the bands here are going to play through and then we'll land in worship and we'll finish in about five minutes time. It's wonderful. Thank you.